a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Live, Mike. Let me take just the next few moments to walk through the remainder of this interview that caught my attention. And honestly, uh, I was captivated. It was it took place on CBS, and it was a 60 Minutes interview uh, conducted by Dr. LaPook. And the subject of the interview was Dr. Anthony Fauci. A number of questions were asked uh, about testing, about masks, about all the things that you and I have become familiar with uh, in terms of conversations about COVID-19 and, co- and battling Uh, this pandemic. And then towards the end of the interview, there were a few questions that were really things that I had uh, not before considered. And to be honest, uh, break my heart a little bit that are are so necessary. The the interview, uh, which for the most part took place uh, seated, uh, you know, indoors, and I think there were some back patio questions asked. Uh, But then there was a portion of the interview that moved outside and followed Dr. Fauci on a walk along a canal with his wife. They weren't alone on the walk. In fact, they were accompanied by a number of security personnel, which has become necessary after countless threats to Dr. Fauci and his family. That's sad. The very fact that a public health message to save lives triggers such venom and animosity to me that it results in real and credible threats to my life and my safety, but it bothers me less than the hassling of my wife and my children. They've been threatened. Yeah. I mean, like, give me a break. Have there been death threats against yeah, you and yeah, your family? Yeah. All, all of you, your no, daughter? just me, but hassling, harassment, against, harassment against the rest of the family. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine being in a position of public health like Dr. Fauci? Uh, he's worked how many decades now? He has brought to about plans to combat the world's pandemics that we have seen, uh, epidemics, uh, some viruses that uh, he and his team and his vaccination laboratory work tirelessly to to preemptively combat. And somehow he today finds himself on the receiving end of death threats. Is this coronavirus so novel and so taxing on us that uh, for some it leads us to lose our minds and threaten the life of someone in his position and harass his family? It's, it's a sad commentary, but I, I do believe, too, that it is not the norm by any means, of course. right? You and I are not, uh, despite all the frustrations we feel due to this coronavirus, you and I are not leveling threats like this against the Fauci family. Uh, and, and I guess in that we can take some solace that it's, it's only the outliers. And luckily, and unfortunately, but luckily, uh, the Fauci family have uh, these security personnel right now, and hopefully it's uh, not too long that they need those. You know, hopefully we're getting back to normal sometime. Uh, last question in the the conversation between the two doctors was uh, one that has been asked of nearly every medical professional to face a reporter. I 
have asked this question a number of times to many doctors and nurses. And as Dr. LaPook was finishing his interview, he asked Dr. Fauci if he intended to take the vaccine once one becomes available. I'm going to look at the data upon which the FDA makes that decision. I trust the permanent professionals in the FDA. The director, the commissioner of the FDA has been very public that he will not let politics interfere. We have an advisory committee to the FDA who are made up of independent people who I trust. Put all those things together. If the final outcome is that the FDA approves it, I will take it. And that is the response that I have heard from so many doctors. Uh, without even the FDA approval caveat. I, I presume that what they meant was an FDA-approved uh, vaccine. They would be uh, willing and eager to take, uh, be it deemed safe and effective by the FDA. And hopefully we get there sooner rather than later. So that, that, was, the end of the, that was the end of the interview. It, it had my attention. I'd invite you to, to seek it out and listen to it in its entirety. But I, I've shared with you here the highlights. Uh, and now what I want to share with you, uh, this, this by President Trump uh, just a, a short time ago via Twitter. He responds to, or at least offers a response to, or a reaction, I should say, to Dr. Fauci's interview of yesterday on 60 Minutes. I'm going to read it to you uh, verbatim. It's one of those two tweets, two tweet tweets, <laughs> right? <laughs> Where uh, there's a tweet and then a reply from the tweet by the, uh, whatever, here it goes. Uh, it's from uh, President Trump. He writes, Dr. Tony Fauci says we don't allow him to do television, and yet I saw him last night on 60 Minutes. Here, let me give you a little backstory there. One of the questions asked, I didn't play for you the, the exchange, but there was a, a question asked by Dr. LaPook of Dr. Fauci about his media appearances. He was asked if the White House uh, had ever uh, restricted his ability to uh, to grant certain interviews. And Dr. Fauci said that, yeah, that there have been many requests that have been declined and that he has been prevented from talking to certain media outlets. Now, uh, the president, I think, makes a good point here in the first part of this tweet, which is that, wait, he said that on 60 Minutes. So, you know, we're not the White House isn't restricting him too much. Uh, I'll start again. Dr. Fauci, Dr. Tony Fauci says, again, this is the president via Twitter, says, we don't allow him to do television. And yet I saw him last night on 60 Minutes. And he seems to get more airtime since uh, more airtime than anybody since the late great Bob Hope. All I ask of Tony is that he make better decisions. He said no masks and let China in. Also, bad arm. Well, what does that mean? Bad arm. Why does he say that? Well, in the second tweet, the reply to the first one, the president continues, P.S. Tony should stop wearing the Washington Nationals masks for two reasons. Number one, it's not up to the high standards that we should be exposing. Number two, it keeps reminding me that Tony threw out perhaps the worst first pitch in the history of baseball. Baseball's capitalized for some reason. Uh, pretty petty, right? Uh, that is a reference, of course, to the, the Nationals game. I think the first one back when Dr. Fauci threw out the first pitch, it did not exactly make its way all the way to the catcher. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, that that is the reference there made by the president uh, of Dr. Fauci, the man leading the effort in the war against the coronavirus. All right. So what? You can choose not to believe in masks. You can choose not to believe in science. You can choose to receive a vaccine or not. But uh, you will make all these choices knowing that the top minds on this do believe in masks, that they do believe in science, and they do intend to get vaccinated. And so do I. And making up uh, your mind in these three areas uh, is up to you. 
And that's one of the things that we have to enjoy in this country. It makes us a little bit different uh, that we have freedom to make choices like this. Now, we also uh, bear a great responsibility with the freedom to make those choices, and it is uh, the obligation to bear the consequences. And so as you make these decisions, uh, please think those through. I have a few minutes left before we go to break. And there is an interesting story I want to share with you. Actually, it starts it starts uh, some time ago, back in May, here in Utah, specifically uh, in uh, the, the where Snow College is, Ephraim, Ephraim, Utah. If you can remember all the way back to, to late May, we had a conversation with an opinion writer for the Deseret News, uh, Samuel Benson. He, a former student of Snow College, was writing about how how Ephraim, Utah, was one of the last the last cities in the state of Utah to be void of COVID-19 cases. Uh, There were no cases. Now, uh, that has certainly changed. uh, But the reason that this came to mind is that there are, and believe it or not, there are still four counties in the United States uh, with no cases, zero cases of the coronavirus. Now, uh, I have all kinds of fun details about these four counties, but uh, time has expired on me here, and so I can only share with you this. The four counties are Esmeralda in Nevada, Loving County in Texas, Skagway in Alaska, and Kalawao in Hawaii. Now, the, the, they're all relatively remote. They have relatively low populations. Uh, there are many reasons that, uh, that it makes sense that these four remaining counties would be the ones without any COVID cases. But the one that that most caught my attention uh, is the county in Hawaii. Now, why is that so interesting? Well, it turns out that Kalawao County was founded uh, to keep Hansen's disease, also known as leprosy, from spreading in Hawaii. The secluded community on Hawaii's most inaccessible island is among the only places, in fact, uh, it and four other counties alone uh, have yet to be infiltrated by the COVID-19. Now, uh, real quick history on this on this leper colony. In 1865, the Kingdom of Hawaii passed a law forcing, and I'm drawing this information from a fascinating ABC News article, the Kingdom of Hawaii forced patients with Hansen's disease into this isolated settlement. 1865. And there it was blocked off. Uh, from access from anyone coming or going until almost 1970 when Hawaii abolished the isolation laws that had imprisoned uh, those patients and promised them lifelong health care. Fascinating story. Uh, I wish I had more time to discuss it with you, but we need to take a break right now. And as you heard from Dr. Fauci, we're moving closer and closer to a vaccine. And there was a due date recently for Utah counties as well as the state of Utah, to come up with a plan for distribution. Well, we're going to look at some of Utah's uh, county plans, as well as some of the challenges presented, uh, including a conversation with the Utah County Department of Health. That is coming up next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. 
the struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.